coming soon to the Icebox Radio Theater. A daytime drama ripped from the very fabric of our lives. A story of two brothers and their wives sharing the ancestral home, sharing each other's hopes and dreams, each other's fears and worries, and a story of the one thing that threatens to tear their world apart. A walleye filet that has been in the freezer so long, no one can remember who it belongs to. So, uh, when are you going to take care of that walleye, huh? Me? That one's yours. No, no, we've been over this. It ain't mine. Well, it ain't mine. One Fella's Walleye, a new soap opera that tells the tale of a family in torment. A family on the edge. Oh, well, we gotta do something. Label there says it's from 06. Well, fine. Uh, I'll make it your birthday present. Happy birthday. So you admit it's yours, huh? Not anymore. I just gave it to you. Well, I don't want it. Well, that's a heck of a thing to say on your birthday. Well, fine, then. I'll just throw her out. You do that to a birthday present? One fella's walleye. A a drama all of northern Minnesota can relate to. You know, on second thought, I don't think that fillet is yours. Well, finally, we're getting somewhere. Yeah, you know, I don't recall you ever catching a fish that big. Now, wait a minute. One fella's walleye from the Icebox Radio Theater. Two men, a freezer, a fish, and don't miss the cliffhanger ending. Oh, wait a minute. No, I think this is venison. (laughs) One fella's walleye on the Icebox Radio Theater. Justin Kaplan, ladies and gentlemen. Next up on the Icebox Radio Theater, a very special solo piece performed here by Jeff Adams. The author is Craig Finseth, longtime listener and supporter of the Icebox Radio Theater, who submitted this piece several years ago, and we're proud to present it live for the first time tonight. Here then is The Moose by Craig Finseth. And Craig, I hope you're listening. I've always loved skiing. The cold, the stillness, the sound of my skis on the snow. Up here in the north with the long, well-groomed trails, it's almost perfect. I really enjoy my all-too-brief trips up here. It gives me a chance to get away from the high-pressure job and just relax. This year, I was able to rent a small cabin on its own. Took a little mini vacation. I've been skiing around for three days. Tomorrow I'll have to go back to the, unfortunately, real world. But today I'm on a long final run around Moose Lake. With any luck, I'll see a moose. Over the past few days, I've seen several deer, two separate wolves. I've always wanted to see a moose, though. But I haven't had any luck in all of my trips. Maybe, just maybe, I'll get lucky. Up one more hill and I stop. Looking out over the lake, it's frozen over, of course, and covered with a smooth layer of snow, but it's still breathtaking. Maybe half mile across, it's surrounded by pine and birch trees, just like all the other lakes around here. I assume the lake got its name from there being moose, at least at some point. Well, down the hill and around the lake, this lake does have good ground for moose. It doesn't have much of a shore, just swampy lowlands, judging from the bits of reed poking through the snow. 
At least, swamp in the summer, of course. Now, everything is frozen. Wait, what's that? Could it be? Yes, a moose. It's just standing there, chewing on some leaves and, and looking at me. <laughs> it's looking right at me, or, or at least it gives that impression. But with its eyes on the side of its head, it probably can't actually see me. It probably heard me ski up, though. And given how my heart is pounding, it probably can still hear me now. I'm just going to stand here quietly for a few minutes and see what it does. It's a beautiful creature, of course, just standing there in a pool of water, chewing on some leaves. It's huge, even from this distance, and brown, and very deep brown, almost black. Oh, and its antlers, they're gigantic. It's hard to tell from this distance, but they could be eight feet across, even with a kind of funny bend in one of them. The moose put its head down again, pull up another mouthful of fresh leaves. Now, this moose wasn't having any problem finding something to eat, even in the deepest parts of winter. I hear a crack off to my left and look in that direction, nothing. Probably just a branch breaking under the cold, but when I look back, the moose isn't there. What, gone? That fast? How could even such a large animal move that fast without making a sound? And, and where it was, just a depression in the snow, no tracks, no water, no plants. What did I just see? A mirage in the winter? Never heard of such a thing. Don't they only happen in the desert? I ski over to the spot where I saw the moose going carefully due to the plants, and when I get there, I see four holes in the snow where its legs were, but no other sign of the animal. Did I, do I, did I want to see a moose so bad that I made one up? And if so, where did those holes in the snow come from? Shaking my head, I continue my trip around the lake. Then I head back to the cabin for the last time. Coming down to the last stretch of trail, the cabin comes into view. And there it is again. The moose, standing right by the cabin, chewing away. I feel it looking at me, which is strange because again, the way its head is built, it probably can't actually see me from straight on. I look at it and it looks at me. I breathe quietly. It chews. I think I hear something and turn my head for a moment and I look back. No moose, again. I slowly ski the rest of the way back to the cabin. I stop on the porch and take off my skis. I walk to where the moose was. Four hoof prints in the snow. Some fresh leaves on the ground and I pick one up. It's already freezing in the cold air. I've been driving a couple of hours. I'm almost to Cloquet, so I, I need a break. I've always enjoyed watching people. I'm at a rest stop. Cars pull up, people get out, stretch for a while, then get back in and go on. Each carload is a little different. 
Granted, it's the middle of the week, so many contain just a single person, most likely traveling on business. But there are cars with couples and cars with two people just traveling together. With a little practice, it's easy to spot the difference. There are even a few families going from here to there. No truckers, though. This rest stop is just for cars. There's a full truck stop a few miles down the road. I'm just getting back into my car when I spot it. A moose, just standing in the field, in the snow, chewing. This is getting weird. I've, I've never seen one before outside of a zoo, and now three times on one trip. There's no way it could be the same one. I've been driving at highway speeds for two hours, and moose, well, they, they just don't move that fast. But come to think of it, it could have started out when I left off last night. It, it could, could move fast. It could make it here overnight. Maybe. But that's silly. Why would a moose come this far, this fast? And what are the chances? I, I, I mean, I'm following a road, but why would it? I think it would stick to the lakes and the woods, not come into a farmer's field and go by the road, but those antlers. The left one has a weird bend. No. And that's final. Black River Falls, Wisconsin. I've been driving six hours and still have some more to go before I get to Chicago. Why of all places did I stop here? Was it something in my subconscious that wanted to torture me? Was it something I did? Someone that I offended? Am I a mass murderer without knowing it? What, what, what? Of all the places to stop, this is the only one with a moose. Granted, it's made of metal and painted orange, but it's a rest stop with a moose. I should say that it's normally made of metal and painted orange, but this time, as I look at it, it was a regular moose chewing away. In fact, it was the same moose I'd been seeing all along. It had the same strange bend in its antler. Now, I could imagine it making it down to Cloquet after all it had all night. It'd be a big stretch. In fact, a really huge stretch to imagine not only that it could make it there in time to see me, but that it would be there for me to see. I mean, it, it had the whole northern part of the state to wander around in. Why come here? But I've been driving at speed the whole way, except for a brief stop. There's just no way it could make it here, now. No, there's no way. But it did. That's not what's bothering me, though. Okay, that bothers me, but that's not the big thing. When I was filling up my car, another car pulled in. A family got out. A kid said, hey, look, a moose. And the mom said, no, that's just a statue. The kid replied, no, no, it, it's, it's a moose. It's moving. The mom said, no, it's metal and it's orange. No moose is orange. The kid said, no, it's brown and chewing and has a bent antler. The two of them went off arguing. I just stared at the orange moose that was made of metal, that was brown and chewing, and had a bent antler.
Now, I've always liked moose, or rather, I've always liked the idea of a moose, you know, large furry animals, kind of cute in its own way. Besides, it's associated with the North Woods, and I, I love those. And yes, I've always looked forward to seeing one in the wild. I've seen them in zoos, of course, but never until now in the wild. I still like the idea of seeing them in the wild. But aren't they supposed to stay there? In the wild, not following me home across hundreds of miles? I mean, I mean why me? Why is it following me? Is it something I did? If so, what? Or perhaps something I didn't do again? If so, what? It just stands there, staring at me and chewing. I'm not seeing anything in its face, not reproach, not anger, not even happiness. It's just there, being a moose. I haven't seen it since Wisconsin. No sign of it this morning when I go up, went to the station, and took the train into town. No sign of it in the streets downtown. Well, that's not really surprising. I mean, the streets are full of cars and the sidewalks full of people. I don't think there's room to squeeze a whole moose in anywhere, much less a place for it to get something to eat. Finally, I get to my office. I walk across the lobby and I glance over at the waterfall that's there. And there it is, just standing in the water, chewing with a bent antler. I stop, staring. People step into me, almost knocking me over. They give me dirty looks. I don't care. I just stare at the moose, almost getting lost in its gaze. I slowly walk over to it, carefully avoiding the streams of people passing by. I stop at the edge of the pool. It's still five or six feet away, too far to touch. After who knows how long someone bumps into me, freeing me from its gaze, I'm swept away by the people and into an elevator. My head slowly clears as the elevator climbs. Shaking my head, I step out and walk to my office. I reach my office door and open it. Going in, I see it. The moose. I black out. I open my eyes. My vision is both clear and distorted. I can see almost all the way around me. It's cold out, but I don't feel cold. I'm comfortable. I look around the lake. Everything is covered in white snow. The forest is gorgeous. I'm back at Moose Lake. I tilt my head down and take a mouthful of leaves. Rising up again, I chew them. Looking out across the lake, I can see a skier who has stopped and is looking at me. This has been The Moose by Craig Finseth. An original piece? Yeah, okay. Read by Jeffrey Adams, sound effect engineering by Diane Adams. It's late at night. You can't sleep. You have a big presentation in the morning, but something is keeping you up. Little sharp pieces of your toe calluses keep catching on the sheets and bothering you. Darn these toe calluses! When will the little bits that have been torn and grown sharp quit catching on the sheets and bothering me? It's time for Diaxol. Diaxol. 
new product that gently relieves the discomfort of little sharp pieces of your toe calluses catching on the sheets and bothering you. One application of Diaxol and a good night's sleep awaits you. <sighs> Diaxol is not for women who are nursing, pregnant, or who may become pregnant. In 15% of all cases, Diaxol use results in rare birth defects leading into baldness and bladder control problems. Diaxol may cause muscle soreness or tenderness in the region of your uvula. Diaxol may increase the occurrence of a rare blood disorder resembling vampirism, which may lead to sensitivity to light, aversion to garlic, or the thirst for human blood. Consult your physician before using Diaxol, especially if you experience blood clotting problems or a bodily emission that smells of rotten almonds. If, if you do experience blood clotting problems and or a decrease in the ability to smell, consult your priests or other religious authorities within 24 hours. Diaxol can cause cancer of the lungs, liver, heart, spleen, gallbladder, upper lip, throat, ear canal, brain, stomach, pelvic region, uterus, and lower intestines, as well as a rare form of super double leukemia. If you are going to use Diaxol, avoid all contact with sea mammals, except for the narwhal. If you plan to have contact with a narwhal, consult your physician. In rare cases, Diaxol has been known to cause magnetism, potentially erasing all of your credit cards and possibly your credit rating. If you experience a severe pain in your credit rating, please consult your physician, banker, accountant, or other government-approved official. Diaxol has been known to cause coop, dropsy, Spanish limp, French mistake, King George's cough, smallpox, Munchenhausen syndrome, inflammation of the humors, and skin failure in 5% of all cases involved in a recent clinical study. In 23% of all cases, recent clinical studies have been known to cause soreness, elevated red count, protracted lymphoma, and gigantism when combined with Diaxol. Diaxol has been approved by Del Farmacia de Venezuela for testing on human subjects. Diaxol, it's time to rest easy.